Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is Sarah. This is Jenna. And you're listening to Getting Candid with Name Three Songs. Insert music here. Hey, y'all. We're back. You're listening to Getting Candid with Name Three Songs. I would just like to point out that we are setting the tone today with these songs by Holly Humberstone and we have one by Maggie Rogers coming up because we are talking to the very lovely singer-songwriter Edie Benz and these are some of the artists that she named. So this is getting us in the mood for the interview coming up. But before that, we have some silly fangirl nonsense to talk about because celebrities are being silly this week, including Drake telling us too much information about his stomach problems. So for those of you who haven't been paying attention, Drake just announced that he's going to be stepping away from music for a year or longer, citing health issues, but primarily his stomach issues. And it's not funny because it could be serious, but it is funny because of that meme about like... We just like, didn't need to know. I was such a brave girl. I did so much work today. My tummy was hurting. And it's like, if the girlies with stomach issues can get through the day... But also, I don't know about Drake's health problems. I'm just like, so. it's TMI. We, just, we simply just didn't need to know. It is, he could have left yeah, it at health problems. Yeah, he could have. He could have. I don't need to know about his like gastrointestinal issues. Health. Yeah. It's very funny because K-pop is like very explicit also about things we didn't need to know. There was this one idol, Heesung, who like had to go to the... Do- they were like literally put out announcements like announcement. Heesung will not be appearing in upcoming performances because he had to go to the doctor's office to deal with an ingrown toenail. <laughs> It was like something like that where it was like nobody needed to know this. Like just say you had to go to the doctor. Like no one needed to know this. That's funny. But I don't I just Uh, feel like celebs sometimes just like don't they just they don't understand how to human properly. And I feel like we also saw that in the weird Gucci ad that Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny did as they're like official I blame that on Gucci though campaign collaboration (laughs) relationship launch which is like a thing that the Kardashian Jenners love to do um yeah I'm sure it's on Gucci but Gucci also probably looked at them and they were like what do they have going on nothing nothing (laughs) so the recap the mosquitoes the mosquitoes is what they have going on the recap is that gucci did a collab ad with kendall jenner and bad bunny in which they're seen at the airport like totally decked out in gucci except that the ad campaign the theme is just paparazzi yeah so like that literally it's so boring like there's a video ad that's a little bit more interesting but it literally just looked like they got paparazzi at the airport and it's like no, there's no creative direction in it whatsoever. It's giving absolutely nothing. But it also was like too glossy to be paparazzi. So it wasn't even like fun where it felt very like aesthetically paparazzi. It just was like giving your support. Here's a photo with front flash. Yeah. 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 Of them walking through the airport <laughs> together. 
Literally. And like, yeah, whatever. It could have been so much more exciting. Well, also, it's just funny because like Kendall Jenner has very my face has seen a phone before face and like i know you guys know what i mean but it's just like she has the kind of face that's like oh yeah like i know what the internet is and i know how an iphone works and whatever whereas like bad bunny doesn't have that kind of face and it's always weird when you see someone with somebody who has like severe instagram like internet face with someone who does it, who you think is extremely hot because you're on, you're like, oh, Bad Bunny's just a normal looking man. It's giving uncanny valley. Yeah, because you're like, oh, Kendall's like too pretty that it feels yeah. not real. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very jarring. So if you guys don't know us by now, we are Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. We have a podcast in which we talk about all this type of stuff, pop culture, music news, all under feminist lens. Yeah, we discuss current events and their impact on society and our daily lives, especially right now. Last week we said this, this week we say this. I feel like I'm going to be saying it every week. I'm obsessed with how obsessed Travis Kelsey is with Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. It's all I've been thinking about. And coming up, we are going to be discussing it more because she was spotted at her second football game in support of him. And I just can't stop thinking about it. Coming up, we also have an artist interview with Edie Benz. But first, we'll see you on the other side of this song from Maggie Rogers. Insert more music. (laughs) All right, Sarah, what is on your brain this today? Today, as we think about Travis and Taylor, what is on your brain? So we talked on this past week's episode of our podcast about the fact that like, these American football players are so much more accessible to the press than normal A-list celebrities are. And so the press is going to do their press thing, i.e. pressing. <laughs> and um, they're going to be like trying to get more like more information out of Travis and his teammates about like Taylor Swift being around. And like they're very media trained, so they know how to respond to this stuff. But during a press conference today, they like asked him how he's dealing with all of that and if he's happy, basically. And he kind of was like, I have won two Super Bowls, but I've never been as happy as I am right now. Oh my God, <laughs> stop. That's gross. I know, it's disgusting. And then, That's not what I thought he was going to say. They're like, oh, like, how are you dealing with like all these paparazzi and everything? And he was like, well, it's taking a bit of getting used to like these people taking photos of me from every conceivable angle. And he was like, but Taylor's just so great. So I understand. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god, is he the one to end it all? I was like, is he the one? Is he the one? I literally am just sitting here like, where do I find one? (laughs) Like, where do I get one of these? (laughs) It's so interesting because I feel like any relationship we've seen Taylor in before she is always the one that's asked about it ad nauseum and she's always like, I don't want to talk about my relationships and the guys like aren't really asked about it. And they're never, like, flaunting her or being, like, proud of her. And, like, if you guys listen to our podcast, I am Taylor Swift's, like, number one critic. But I also am, like, aware that she's just, like, a very talented musician and, like, deserves to be celebrated for that. So the fact that this man is just out here being, like, of course I'm getting all this attention. Taylor Swift's amazing. Why wouldn't I be getting attention? Because she's amazing. And I'm, like, okay, sir. (laughs) I see you. Yeah. It's cool that he's, like accepting it but also like to the media promoting even more because i thought he was gonna be like yeah i've had to learn to uh maybe keep my mouth shut so (laughs) no more about that i mean like he's kind of being like coy but also giving her the support and like positive energy that she should be getting from somebody asking someone how it feels to be dating someone like her 
Absolutely. So absolutely he is. <laughs> but yeah, like last week on our podcast, we talked about this a lot and about kind of like Taylor Swift fan and football fans reactions to Taylor getting so much press around the fact that she's coming to these games and the fans of both feelings on the fact that like it's become the Taylor Swift show. And it's interesting where their feelings on that overlap because it's not where I thought it was going to overlap. But if you want to hear more about all of that, we talked about it extensively the last two weeks on our podcast. Most likely we'll be continuing to talk about it on our podcast, Name Three Songs, if you want to get your fill on all things Taylor. And now we're getting candid with Edie Benz. She's a 23-year-old rising Welsh singer-songwriter who's been inspired by artists like Bruce Springsteen, Dolly Parton, and Maggie Rogers. She began writing her own songs when she was just 10 years old, and her latest single, Poster Child, is the first single from Edie's second EP. We're getting candid with Edie about how she's working towards writing timeless music and how empowering it is to have strong female voices in rock music to look up to. Plus, we also get to hear about her biggest dream of playing Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. We'll be back after this. Hi, Edie. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. So when I was looking at your Instagram, I saw you were posting that you're going to be headlining the Swansea Fringe Festival coming up quite soon. Yeah. And so... Like, number one, headlining, incredible, congratulations. And number two, how have you been preparing for something like that? Well, I've been rehearsing. I'm playing it with my band, which is super nice. Um, And it's also, Mm -hmm. Swansea is actually my hometown. So it's going to be really nice to come home and play a show like that. Um, So, yeah, I've been practicing. We've added some new songs to the set on the EP that we're rolling out at the minute. Um, which I'm probably not supposed to say, but we're rolling out the singles at the minute. And um, some of those songs I've put into the set. So hopefully that'll be the first time we're playing a lot of the songs, but it's going to be really fun. Um, So lots of rehearsals need to happen. It's like next week, but we're rehearsing all of next week. So (laughs) hopefully it'll be okay. (laughs) What has been your favorite part of translating your music to the live setting? Um, So I feel I'm quite lucky because I've recorded most of the songs um, that I put out and are putting out as like live in the room and all of the instruments mostly other than some synths are real instruments it's been super easy for me to sort of translate that into a live setting with pretty much playing most of the parts that are on the records um, so it's really fun and it's I think it's nice to get to play them quite similarly currently to how the recordings sound because yeah it's nice to sort of play them the same way that's really fun I like (laughs) I think it's so cool to like hear people's experience of like making a song and then going live and like how that might feel different even when like you know you're saying like they are such like similar experiences for you I mean like you were saying like you are going to be playing some songs that people haven't heard before but you did release your first EP at the top of this year and so for you like what did that project represent um the first project So (laughs) the first project I wrote, it's kind of funny because before I got signed, sorry, my dog has just, it's not actually my dog, my boyfriend's dog just come to say hello. Um, But I, the first project, when I wrote it, I wrote all of these songs about a very similar subject and they were about a breakup. And when I was at uni and I was super young, I think I was about 19 when I wrote most of those songs. So that whole sort Mm -hmm. of, first project was about breaking up with someone who I realized wasn't really good for me and 
or for either of us. And it was sort of all about discovering that. (laughs) Do you feel any kind of way, like once you've released these songs into the world of like people kind of hearing your personal story and then also like when you're playing them live, you're like, here's me singing about my breakup. Yeah, it's quite weird, especially because like, I'm still super early in my career, but I was even more so when I was putting those songs out, I guess. So I was like, oh, so many people that are listening to this know, know me or know that person. And I did feel it is funny. Um, but I tried to communicate with my friends that there's a lot of dramatic license in songwriting and in all kind of yeah. art in the sense that like not every single word I say is, you know, exactly 100% truth. You know, they draw, draw from <laughs> yeah. others. Like yeah. I write usually like very personal songs and they come from experience but it's not just about one person like they often are about like lots of different like little relationships and things I've had so I have to try and like preface sometimes to the person that I've written about I'm like sorry (laughs) if that like sounds really savage but um yeah I try to remain on good terms with the people (laughs) (laughs) that's great um so I'm really curious because you've been putting out singles pretty consistently through 2022 and into this year but what has your journey to this point been like like when did you start writing how long like what has your journey as a songwriter been like yeah so interestingly I kind of the reason I got into songwriting is because I sucked at guitar so I think I had a guitar (laughs) for my maybe 10th birthday or something I like begged my mom like please can I have this it was like bright purple sparkly horrible guitar made out of plastic but it was the guitar (laughs) of my dreams at the time and I begged her to have that for Christmas so I think I had that for Christmas and then the intention was to try and get lessons or something but I just didn't have the attention span for it and I sucked really bad and I couldn't learn anyone else's songs so I had to start (laughs) making up my own um (laughs) this is so funny that's how I got into writing music basically probably because I had a lot of emotions I was still am an overly emotional person and um I didn't have the patience to like learn the guitar craft so I was like oh I'll just write songs until I get better and I sort of those things groove together eventually like, i'll just make it up myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm inventing guitar myself <laughs> pretty much i that. love that so a lot of us have kind of like these key memories like in our relationship to music that kind of like form who we are as people so i'm really curious if there's anything that stands out to you as a moment where you were like music is what i have to be doing yeah i mean from a young age <laughs> i kind of realized i could sing okay and um that by singing okay people would like give me attention and I guess (laughs) that I sort of caught on to that quite quick and didn't shut up from that moment and I'm like (laughs) a very hyperactive person I have to be doing things and I think I'd from a very young age figured out like it was my thing and I loved entertaining people and like whatever like party I was at like Christmas I was like trying to demand attention so I I think I was clinging on to that from a young age and from like I just wanted it to be my thing I was obsessed with it and I was obsessed with other musicians and like watching concerts and yeah it's I guess the key moment probably was like singing first at school and like people being nice about it and me enjoying that I guess yeah yeah I mean I've lots of musicians I think have a slight slight there's a slight narcissistic element to it yeah. it comes from a good I was place, like I, I hope. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. I was like, this. I feel like that's why Sarah tried to play the drums when she was 13. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like this is really funny because like I'm not musically gifted in that way and I wanted to be so badly <laughs> and when I was a kid I was like obsessed with the Annie the musical soundtrack and my great grandma and her friends would like I don't know just like let let me be delusional and I would like <laughs> literally perform Annie for them like at her apartment <laughs> complex but it's so fun like that is honestly the amount of concerts I put on for like and I've seen video footage of me at Christmases like singing to my family and I remember thinking that they were having a great time and I've seen these videos since and they're like <laughs> they're like they look dead they're so bored of me they're like in their heads they're like please <laughs> stop but I was having a great time so you know that's all that mattered yeah. <laughs> that's really all that mattered that's how we got here today putting up with it <laughs> oh my god I love that so much since you've been like performing since you were a kid and like you were saying like you just didn't have the time to like deal with other people's guitar parts which I love like <laughs> for somebody who is like oh I'm just gonna make it up myself I feel like your music sounds really influenced by like folk and country kind of sounds which I think is an interesting like two genres to go to when you're inventing your own music because I feel like those two genres really work with that yeah <laughs> do you feel I like mean... that's why you like wound up there <laughs> probably it was probably quite accidental I think my dad, I grew up listening to music in the car. My dad's like, his whole passion is cars and driving. And he used to race mm-hmm. a bit when he was younger. And now he, um, he sort of, he, I don't even know what he does. He set, he like finds cars at auctions that are run down and does them up and sells them and stuff. And he cool. is obsessed. And I spent lots of my childhood in cars um, and on the, listening to his CDs. And he was a massive country music fan. So like loads of Garth Brook and Dolly Parton and those mm. kind of artists, not that they're that similar, but you know, lots of like Nashville based artists. And I was yeah. just, I guess, absorbing it via osmosis um, through listening <laughs> to that music and then interpreting it in my own Welsh, British slightly quirky way (laughs) yeah I do think it's very interesting because like I really like love your songwriting and like the way you go about it but I think historically if you look at like folk artists like there's such a unique way that they storytell and so I feel like you definitely pick that up in like the way that you've come to create your own songs yeah thank you that's very kind I hope hope so (laughs) yeah I mean like like John was saying like you have a very uh interesting and I think pretty original like style of storytelling in your songwriting and I was really taken by that and like especially the way you sing about like relationships ending because I feel like it's like a perspective you don't hear very much but it felt very relatable to me because I feel like similarly to your songwriting it's like you're very emotional yet very apathetic at the same time and I feel like you don't hear that a lot Um, but like do you feel like your take on writing about love and loss is different for most songwriters and like how did you wind up in this space of writing like this yeah that is interesting and I try to kind of whenever I speak about my songs like it's easy to be like oh they're about breakups and stuff but I really want to push that I'm not like a hateful songwriter yeah Um, yeah I I don't know I'm a very empathetic person I always have been and sometimes it's to my detriment like I'm so forgiving and even I sort of went through a lot in my childhood and I like don't go into that too much but basically I think I learned that like people make mistakes and generally it's not on purpose and like people can hurt people and it isn't always like intentionally nasty and I think like going through those experiences in my childhood made me a lot more empathetic growing up and as an 
an empathetic writer. I try when I even when I'm like really angry at someone, I often still kind of understand why they've done it. And I know that I'm very far from perfect myself. So I try and channel that when I write, even when I'm angry, too. (laughs) Well, because I think it's really interesting because it's like it feels like by sort of being again, like I'm not like this is just from my perspective of like your songwriting. It feels like from being from this place of like, it feels like you understand what the other person was going through. And therefore like the songwriting feels removed, but not in a bad way. Like, I don't know how, like, yeah, I don't, no, I don't, I, like there's an air of distance between like you and the emotions almost. Yeah. And it's feel like, it just feels like a healthy way for like to listen. I don't know. Cause like sometimes you listen to breakup songs and you're like, Oh, like when you like as a listener, when you listen to them, you're kind of like, Oh, like clearly they were going through it and it feels like you could have been or you could have like thought about it and like been really like reasonable like, about fine. it and I, <laughs> I love this because it feels really empowering because it just feels kind of like oh like I kind of get where they're coming from I kind of hate them but also I get it and I just like think that's really cool <laughs> thank you that's very kind yeah I really I really try and write about that I'm like I'm a very forgiving person so I guess when I go through things I sort of recognize that there's two sides to the story and I try and write about both sides because I just feel like there are so many songs about like how terrible someone's ex is or how like both sides of the story either they're so amazing or like I hate you I don't ever want to speak to you again kind of songs and I'm trying to be somewhere in the middle of okay there are two stories to tell um in these sort of yeah yeah absolutely um I'm really curious because I feel like for musicians like when you're creating art yourself you're kind of focused on like your personal journey and like your relationship to music but then releasing it into the world is kind of like a whole other thing so I guess this is a two-part question of like what do you hope as a as a musician in throughout your career what do you hope to capture in your music but also what do you hope people take away from your music (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I hope that other people when I'm I'm a a lot of the songs I make are super personal and they're very like in the way that country music songs often are like very narrative, very much storytelling. And there's lots of kind of uh, what's the word like specific details in lots of my songs that might not translate exactly to someone else's situation but I try and write the choruses and my songs and parts of the songs a little bit more open hoping that other people when it reaches them in whatever way that it does see themselves in those songs too and it becomes their own their own story as well as mine oh that's very nice I love that (laughs) um and what do you feel like it's been when you've been performing live like what has the feedback been from connecting with people in the audience yeah it's been mainly positive and <laughs> not not always playing live is a funny thing especially when you're like starting out and doing mm-hmm. a lot of supports you know it can be a mixed bag on what kind of audience you're getting but I've been very lucky to play with lots of amazing people and it's super interesting to see that um I've played like to a very different age groups like younger people older people and it's so nice to see how sort of it has it's it's felt ageless like there have been people of very different ages come up to me and say that set different songs have made them like feel very emotional in different ways yeah. and positive and it's it's really nice to see that like I hopefully am writing songs that aren't 
too like necessarily really specific to an to an age it's nice to think that they're yeah. a bit more universal yeah i think i feel like that's always like a great thing for songwriters like having that type of response is like you know you're kind of writing songs that are a timeless sentiment yeah. <laughs> i yeah. mean that is the goal i all of my like biggest inspirations are all very like timeless writers um so that's yeah. all I aim to be, really. So you mentioned earlier that the first EP that you put out this year was like about a previous breakup and now you're in another relationship. So in life, like in these situations, mm-hmm. like and we like I, we I asked like most of the artists we talked to about this because I find it so interesting, like writing about something from like a very specific point in time and then what like getting over it or like not caring about it as much or whatever the case is and then having to revisit those songs like is that difficult to have to revisit like a time and place that you've gone past it it is weird I do find sometimes it's like I also find similarly when you write a song sometimes it takes quite a while for it to come out so by the time it comes out that relationship or that like moment in time whatever you've written the song about is usually quite far away from how you are in that moment and I try to shift it into the audience's perspective and I also find that it like might not mean to me what it did then but it still has some kind of relevance yeah if that makes sense um and sometimes it's it's weird I find I don't know how to communicate this but it's like I knew it was almost like I wrote something and knew something then that I didn't actually know at the time and six months later a year later I'm playing it and I'm like oh my gosh this could be interpreted in such a different way and it's so more even more relevant to my life than it was then so it's super interesting how those things happen um you mentioned that you know sometimes you embellish like stories a little bit as you're storytelling um and then we're talking about you know bringing these to the live setting is like a very different kind of like relationship um to being live but I'm curious if you feel like you have to bring like an aspect of like showmanship or almost like you have a different persona when you're on stage yeah I mean I'm trying to work on that and the more I play I think the more I am developing more confidence Mm -hmm. in doing so um I'm a big talker. I like to tell the stories of the songs. I don't think enough yeah. people do that yeah. when they're playing. Um, it makes me kind of sad, so especially like most people who are seeing me, I'm hoping that's starting to change, but most people who come to see me play a gig, if it's a support gig, they don't know who I am. Like they haven't heard these songs before. And I think I really try and tell the story and give context right before so that they can understand the song a little bit better. And I think that's a big part of my sort of live persona is my sort of trying to tell funny stories and dad <laughs> a comedian a comedian and a, and a songwriter yeah no one of my band members once went after our show was like he was like i can't work this out if this is a music gig or a comedy <laughs> show and i was like well it's both it's both they i told them to just like start playing when i'm like talking too much or like saying just random stuff they'll just like play a riff gotta get back to what i'm really here to do <laughs> thinking of music and how you approach your songwriting and how you approach like where your music falls in with genre um your recent single poster child has more of a pop vibe to it and i'm curious because a lot of artists tend to play with sound and genre depending on like the story they're telling or even just like the era of life that they're in at the moment um so do you feel similarly and like how did this song come about yeah so i it's it's definitely a lot more pop than the last project I did. I think the last project had a lot more country influence because I was listening to so much more country music at that point 
in my life and I guess just as a listener I was exploring more music after that and I really mm-hmm. got into Muna um and also Springsteen which are kind of very random um comparisons but I was listening very heavily to those albums when I went into record poster child and sort of ended up going more towards the synth pop and like heavier drums thing um, which that's on here. You've mentioned a lot of yeah. old school artists that have influenced you. I'm curious if you have any, anyone else, any newer people or like, are you like a old school girly through and through? Yeah. I mean, I try to li- listen mainly to older music because I'm worried if I like, I don't want to, what's the word, copy someone too much. Like, I feel like there's so many artists, like I love Phoebe Bridges. I love her music so much, but I feel like so many people are currently trying to make music Mm. that sounds exactly like hers. And that's fine. Like it all sounds really amazing and really lovely, but I'm trying not to sound too much like just someone else that's already around because that person already exists. And, um, but out of new musicians, I like just love all the female indie music yeah. that's coming out, that indie pop crossover, like Maggie Rogers. I'm a massive fan of everything she does and Phoebe Bridges and sort of the, yeah. all the boy yeah. genius things and a lot of the Australian female artists like Stella, Stella Donnelly, am I saying yeah. her name right? Um, and Julia Jacklin, like so obsessed with so much female music. Well, I mean, it's, so, it's like in that regard, it's, really, it's really nice to see like how many women are like having a moment in music because like, I don't know, when Sarah and I were teenagers, like we were very much involved in like the emo music scene and it was just so heavily male dominated. Yeah. And then it's like, there was Haley Williams and Paramore. And then there was like three other girls. <laughs> and then like, there, it was just like women were being seen as competition. And now we're in this era where like, it feels a lot more like we can uplift each other and support each other. And and it's so cool to have other like female musicians to like yeah. look up to. Yeah, no, it's so it's so cool. And I think like when I was at school, there just weren't many people I could look up to and who were doing it. There weren't many female indie artists or pop artists of like the kind of music that I wanted to make, making it as a career. So it was quite hard to try and see myself in that position. Whereas now I think if I was at school right now, um, doing what I was doing there'd be so many amazing True. people to look up to yeah. and I think that's so cool that it is yeah I mean now. and I think it's really yeah. interesting that you said how you are trying to like find more influence from older music in order to like not essentially copy what else is going out because I, f- I feel like no like <laughs> I think that that's a very valid point and I think also like there are so many trends in music especially the past like decade where it's been like trends where like if you go listen to like a playlist where you can like kind of tell like what year a song came out like a lot more than you could like even just like again like 10 years ago and so I think that's really interesting because like I feel like obviously like all this music I think is always go like especially like Phoebe Bridgers and like Maggie Rogers like I think their music is going to stay relevant and like stand the test of time but I also think like it's so clear, like I don't know, it's so clearly like influenced by the time that is now. So I think it's cool that you're kind of like, oh, I'd rather find influence from something in the past where it's less, I don't know. To me, it's like it's less influenced by like the future, quote unquote. And I feel like that's <laughs> like I think well, I think yeah. it comes around to that timeless sentiment. <laughs> no, 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 you're yeah. right. I think you're right. And also I think like you have to think about it as like Phoebe Bridges and 
Maggie Rogers were looking at yeah. older artists and that's they've come from that like they've had their influences and become who the artists that they are through that um and I think yeah I think that that's yeah. how those great artists it's, yeah. happen yeah so I hope to try and try and do the same it's always so obvious when you hear a song that's like this was a tiktok song like this person lives on tiktok they were making a song for tiktok they were trying to go viral on tiktok and that song is like so internet it's very funny no there's i think there's a lot of that currently um which makes a lot of sense yeah but but i think it's also cool because like we're saying how like when jen and i were growing up like there weren't a ton of female musicians for us to look at and be like oh girls can do this too you know but i think on top of that now it's like not only can girls do this too but i feel like they're creating sounds that didn't exist before and so again it's like back to that thing of like you finding influence from something else and then creating your own thing i feel like it's so obvious and so cool that like you're creating your own sound and i think that that's really inspiring yeah thank you no i think it's cool i think like females as strong as females are um they also have like such a great softness that lots of men early in music didn't necessarily have because like guitar playing and rock music is like quite heavy um and i think like females are really taking influences from rock music and those kind of genres and like adding like a feminine softness to it which is creating a sound that hasn't existed until now and that's so cool no I think that's a beautiful way of putting it um so in speaking of all this I'm very curious what is your biggest dream when it comes to music (laughs) um that is really hard um I think I really want to play Red Rocks one day I think that's like top list (laughs) um I've never been there so it's kind of a weird, a weird ambition, but so many of the artists I really look up to and like a lot of the current ones, I've seen videos of them playing Red Rocks and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just want to yeah. do that so bad. And um, I have been, yeah, that's, that's I have been there because uh, they have it open during the day. So like I've just, I went there <laughs> one time when I was in Colorado and then my friends recently <laughs> uh-huh. saw Arctic Monkeys there. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I also find it so amazing how far people drive to see people there. I didn't realize until I was watching TikToks about Noah, I'm going to say his surname wrong, Noah Khan. No, you're right, um, yeah. Who had a show there, but it got called off because of extreme weather or something. And there were people that had yeah. like driven like 12 hours to go see him. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Also, like, America is very imagine- big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's definitely more of an American thing. I mean, I think it probably takes 12 hours to get the whole yeah. country yeah. here. But um, <laughs> you can probably do that in a state um, in America. But yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool that it's like in a kind of, a ra- I guess, a random place. And like, yeah. Um, people travel to go there and it's almost like I'm not that much of a spiritual person but I think there's kind of almost like a spiritual vibe to a venue like that and I think that's really cool oh definitely I feel like I mean I've never been there it's also just like as a music fan like something where I'd love to see an artist that I really like play there and I feel like if (laughs) it's like (laughs) 
I it's it feels like a spiritual journey of sorts, but I feel like Colorado just kind of like has those vibes <laughs> as a state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I th- I mean also it's just I mean it's coupled with like go like performing live and like having an audience who's like all on the same like vibe as you, like the same wavelength of like being here for the music and like being here for your music of like that in itself is like a you know can be can seen as like a spiritual experience and then yeah. you're in this like gorgeous place and like in the middle of nature like it's just yeah I think, coupled with I think it. yeah I think you're completely right there I think as well like so many music venues of that size are like quite like a clinical like inside yeah. Yeah. and like, yeah. quite cold and yeah I think to play in like in the basic it feels yeah. like the wild I guess I'm saying all yeah. this I have not been there but from the, from the pictures <laughs> with the, the Milky Way <laughs> I've done the stars and the nature and the rocks yeah um it yeah. feels like that's really cool and I love playing live I love nature you know it makes sense i think <laughs> love love all that with this being we're ending the near of 2023 um what can we expect from you in the coming months and like next year what do you have coming yeah, up so i have lots of exciting things i'm all musicians say that and they big things coming but um <laughs> i have lots of things coming out um lots of songs i'm putting out lots of singles that might become a bigger project um i'm not sure i'm allowed to say that but i i also am gonna say it um <laughs> and yeah playing more shows i'm going on tour in november um doing some uk tour hopefully going to europe and then hopefully spending some time in america so yeah lots of lots of fun things i feel like it's really fun like in speaking to artists and like hearing like what's what's on the horizon for them and like what their goals are because i guess also like you obviously have like a plan for what you're going to be releasing and doing all that stuff. But I mean, um, this time next year, like, where do you hope you are? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, I'm still so early in my career. I just want to connect with more people that will hopefully like my music and mm-hmm. make a positive impact in, you know, their lives as it would also mine. So yeah, it's just trying to connect with people, I think, and share music. That's that's my goal for next year. <laughs> I love that. I love that so it's much. kind of like it's very simple, but yeah, just trying to connect with as many people as possible in like a genuine way. Because I feel like social media at the minute it's so hard to know sometimes if like it's translating in a genuine way. But um, yeah, that's yeah. the goal. To wrap things up, our show and our podcast, Name Three Songs, is all about empowering fangirls, and we think it's important to celebrate the things that we love unapologetically. So, Edie, what are you a fangirl <laughs> of? okay my naming three songs um (laughs) my favorite song at the minute (laughs) we've all got the giggles my favorite song at the minute is silver springs um by fleetwood matt i can't get over how just iconic it is stevie writing that song and then getting her um lindsay to play on it um considering everything that they'd gone through he like played on it every night such a power woman move um so I'd pick that one. Um, I'm on fire by Bruce Springsteen because I'm just the biggest Springsteen fan. I think I just can't get over his storytelling. And I find it so interesting how like so many of his lyrics get misinterpreted. But if you like read into it, you're like, wow, that's actually kind of really interesting. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the last one, oh, it would be Green, Green, Grass of Home by Tom Jones because I'm Welsh and he is the king of Welsh. <laughs> love i was like you're giving us a history lesson today we're all gonna go listen to these after we're gonna play them we'll play them during the radio show so everyone listening can also hear as well 
Um, and Amazing. we want to say a big thank you, Edie, for joining us today. No, thank you so much for having me. It's so great when we get to talk to artists who just are so clearly talented and are so young in their careers starting off mm. and to see the amount of potential and growth that they have in their future. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really awesome, like getting to speak with kind of with people who are going to be the future of music, really, and learning like where they get their inspirations from and why they're getting their inspirations from where they are, like hearing her talk about like her passion for kind of older music and why she's passionate about it and how she's kind of using it to create her own version of what she likes from the past, I think is really cool. It's also very amusing to hear a Welsh person talk about how much they love Bruce Springsteen and Dolly Parton. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is what we grew up with. Also, Edie All Around is such a gem. And if you want to hear this again, we will have the replay available on our podcast feeds tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us and Edie Benz. This has been Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. Along with being able to re-listen to our artist interviews that we do here on the radio, you can also get your pop culture fix by listening to new episodes of our podcast, Name Three Songs, every Wednesday. That's name the number three songs on all podcast platforms. And in honor of what Edie is currently fangirling about, we're leaving you off with Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.